few weeks ago, we started this series um, titled God's Point of View, and it's a three-part series. We're ending it today. We started out by looking at how God sees us. And the moment that we put our trust in Jesus, the moment we put our faith in Jesus, the moment we say, Jesus, please come into my life. I need you. I can't do this on my own. God now sees us as right in his eyes, acceptable, forgiven, perfect. And we look in the mirror and we see all of our flaws. Right? We see all the things we don't like about ourselves. But God says, that is how I created you. And if you continue to go through life leaning on me, I will help refine you and, 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 and bring you into that, that person that I created you to be. And yes, it's a process. It's a lifelong process. But if we press into what God has for us, we will become the person he created us to be and life will be an adventure with him. And then last week, we looked at how God sees other people. And, and that gets a, a little more difficult, right? Because there's people in our lives, coworkers, neighbors, family, and, and maybe they just cause friction. They say things, they do things that upset us. And we go home at night and we pray for God to change them. And then we wonder why God isn't changing them. And because that is who they are, they're not going to change. But if we change that prayer to, God, help me see them the way you see them, I promise you, you'll begin seeing them the way God sees them. And some of those things that bother you will no longer bother you because the Holy Spirit will begin speaking to you about things and you'll pick up on things and you'll hear things about them. And you're like, you know what, maybe that's that's why they're a little rough around the edges. And you begin having a heart for them, the same heart that God has. So now this Sunday, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get a little more challenging. What we're going to look at today is how God sees purpose in our struggles. How does, how, how does God find or show us or give us purpose in the midst of the tension in life, the struggles and the trials that we deal with because there is always something we can learn in the difficult times in life or from the difficult times in life. You know, far too often we go through struggles or we go through a rough patch in life or, or maybe it's just as simple as, man, I, I really wish I could just catch a break. You ever have one of those periods in life where it just seems like everything goes wrong? Your car breaks down, you get it fixed. The refrigerator breaks down, you get it fixed. The heater breaks down, you have to get it. Just you can't catch a break. And, and oftentimes when we go through these rough patches or maybe there's people around, just, just things just don't seem to be going our way. Don't sometimes we wonder, is God mad at me? Is there something like, like we begin to ask these questions like, what am I doing wrong, God? What did I do to make you so mad at me for this to happen? And then we start to think that there's something we're doing that makes all of this bad stuff happen or we can't catch a break. And, and I think, honestly, those kinds of questions, they, they rarely ever get answered. I mean, like, has God ever told you why he was mad at you? No, because he's not. You know, that's the thing. Maybe we are doing some things to cause some of this stuff to happen, and that's what we're, we're going to look at that today. But, but those kind of questions, they don't really get answered. And, and so I think if we ask these questions in a different way, like this, 
God, where can I see you in the midst of this struggle? Where can I find you in the midst of this heartache? What can I learn right now in this chapter of my life? Can you show me, God, where you're at in this? And I think when we, when we focus these kinds of questions, as challenging as they are, we will, we, will, we will see God during the struggle instead of more stress. For instance, when you're asking God, God, where, where are you in this? What am I supposed to get out of this? It helps us focus more on God and less on the problem. See what I'm saying? And then you start looking for God and the problem starts getting a little bit smaller because God begins to show up, usually not in the way we're thinking he's gonna show up. Because here's the other thing, here is an answer to all of these questions we ask that I'm confident in. This is, this is an answer that I am sure of. God does not purposely give us problems to deal with. God doesn't say, Chip, life is going so well for you right now, I wanna, I wanna give you a few things to think about that's gonna cause you some tension in your life. I don't think he does that. But I do think that when things happen and we look for him in the midst of that, maybe he's trying to refine us a little bit or maybe he's, he's trying to, to get us to move into a different direction or something like that. For instance, I think it would be safe to say that we cause most of our own problems ourselves, Right? Like, we just make decisions and we are kind of the cause of our own problems. Or maybe, maybe there's other people around us that are causing some of the struggles that we deal with. You know, and, and sometimes we do have to remove ourselves from certain people. Or maybe it's our surroundings. Maybe there's things that are around us that, that are just causing tension and, you know what, we're just not smart enough to remove ourselves from those surroundings. And then, ultimately, let's not forget that there is an enemy out there who's constantly trying to bring us down. You know, there's going to be several verses today we'll quote from Job. Job had a really rough go at life, but he was attacked by Satan himself. And we can learn from that. So there's all kinds of reasons that, that we have tensions and struggles and things of that nature. Um, but, but the reason that I say this, that I am confident that God does not purposely give us problems, is because of something that the prophet Jeremiah said. Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, is like, he's my, my, my hero of prophets. He really is, because I love, I love the, the prophets, and especially the major prophets, Isaiah and, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, uh, the, the bigger books. Even the smaller ones are good, but, but Jeremiah, Jeremiah was God's mouthpiece in the Old Testament, and he brought a message to the Israelites that was like, if you guys don't stop doing these things, you're going to be, you're going to, you're good, it isn't going to be good. And basically, these other countries are going to take you captive, and you're going to be in captivity. And that was his message, and the people didn't want to hear it. And, and I always remember this certain part in Jeremiah's life where they, they dug a huge pit, the people did, and they put him in there because they were, they were tired of his message of, of doom. And it says in there that he was in like just this mud and muck and sewage up to his chest. 
But, but he pushed through all of that. You know, and, and I can only imagine when Jeremiah, you know, Jeremiah is that, that favorite passage that we get, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper, plans to succeed. You know, we use that passage all the time when, it, when we talk about God's plans for us. And I could just imagine, like, Jeremiah is like, God, as a, as a young man, you, you told me that I was going to be prosperous and successful, and here I am in this huge hole that the people dug for me because I was doing what I thought you wanted me to do. And then, so then Jeremiah writes this book called Lamentations. It's, it's a riveting, it's a riveting book. <laughs> there are some nuggets of good stuff in there, though. But he's lamenting about stuff, right? And he says this in chapter 3 about God. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Jeremiah, who went through heck and back to be a prophet of God, said... God does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. So that tells me that God isn't causing these things to happen because he's up there like, oh, I'm going to have some fun with you. (laughs) He's not. He doesn't enjoy that. That's not in his nature. And there are several reasons, you know, why we find ourselves dealing with unpleasant situations. But, But I think it's unwise to blame God. He's not causing the unpleasant situations, although he may, he may cause a little, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But I say this because God himself will bring good out of every problem we find ourselves dealing with because that's what he does. And I get that from Romans chapter eight, right? For he, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Every situation we are dealing with that we don't like to be dealing with, God is going to bring good out of it. But we have to do our part. We we can't just sit back on our couch and just, you know, cry about our problems and, and, you know, God, you said you're going to bring good out out of this. I need some good. You got it. We have to do something too. We have to look for him. We have to press in to where God is at in this. And so let's look at some ways God will help us find purpose in our struggles. So the most important purpose that God will give us out of our struggles is direction. We all need direction, right? Sometimes he will point us in a new direction. Maybe there's an obstacle he's trying to get us to avoid. Or maybe we're moving in a direction that is outside of his will for us, outside of the plans that he has for us. Remember, he told Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to succeed, plans to prosper, plans to do good. And maybe we're moving outside of those plans and God needs to redirect us. And sometimes that tension is because we're not willing to be redirected. Sometimes God will close a door that we're trying to go through, but we think we're supposed to go through it, so we continue to try to open that door. Or maybe he's going to put up a roadblock to keep us from going in a certain direction. See, these are, these are things that we're, we're, we're if, if we're focused on this roadblock or this obstacle or this redirection that we don't like, we won't see God in the midst of it. Because we're so focused on where we want to go that maybe God is trying to redirect this, redirect us. And he does this 
because he knows what is best for us. I, I, listen, I'm an adult, and I have plans that I want to do and things that I want to do in life, but I know that God knows what's best for me. Maybe my plans aren't his plans, and so the sooner I figure that out, the better off I'm going to be. And I think that in this time of wondering, like, what is going on? It's wise to start the dialogue with God by asking questions about the situation that we're unsure of. You know, when I, when I, when I sense a roadblock is coming or, or things aren't working out the way I want them to work out, immediately I start asking God, God, is there, is there something I need to be focused on? Is there a change of direction that's happening that I need to be aware of? Are you changing things up on me? You know, a couple of weeks ago as a staff, we, we cast a vision for the church for 2023. The vision that I believe God gave me the direction for the church for 2023. But you know what the biggest thing was that I said? This could change. Three, four, five, six months into it, God could say, I want you to redirect some things a little bit. I mean, we found that out in 2020, didn't we? Three months into the year, everything changed. And so, so I'm willing to be open to that. I think God has every right to change some things because life changes. But listen to this, Proverbs 16, verse 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. See, humans plan, but God directs. We have all kinds of plans that we have, right? We, we, we set goals and we have dreams for ourselves, but it is God who directs our steps in the midst of these plans and dreams. It's good to make plans. It's good to cast vision. It's good to set goals for our lives. But it is God who determines our direction. I, I, it's, I, you know, you can live your life day by day, and I think that's fine, but you've got to have something to look forward to, a, a, a goal to go towards, a, a vision that you've cast for yourself, your family, or, or your job, or if you're a business owner. It's good to have plans and dreams and, and vision, but we have to understand that it is God that determines the direction. So we need to be aware of the fact that a roadblock or a closed door may be God's way of saying, I would rather you not go in that direction. The direction I have you going with this particular plan will have a much better outcome. Unfortunately, that's not exactly what he says right up front, right? I, for me, God is like a last-minute guy. He's, for me, it's always at the last minute I find out why we're heading in this direction. And I'm okay with that, but that's what keeps the adventure going. It keeps me relying on him. You know, often what happens is this. We get so focused on our plan that when God starts steering our direction, we get frustrated with the change, and we lose sight of who is really in charge. For me, the moment I put my, my trust in Jesus and the moment, really, the moment I started, my, my faith began to mature, I realized that I am no longer the one in charge of my life. Jesus is. Because Jesus knows what's best for me. I was ruining my life. 
And then the moment I put my trust in Jesus, asked him into my life, there was a much better direction I was heading towards. But look at this, Proverbs 20, verse 24. The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? Isn't that good? I mean, is there anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but is there anybody here that needs to understand every step of the direction in our lives? Like some of us are like that. We're planners. Like we, we need to know, man, like, like I have 12, 13, 14 steps to get from, from one to, to 13 or eight or whatever letter comes next. J. And I need to, I got everything planned out. I need to know. Well, the word of God says, listen, the Lord is directing those steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? Have your, have your 13, 14, 15 steps mapped out, but be ready for some change in direction. Be ready for God to show up, because that's where the adventure is. See, this doesn't mean that we just give up and float through life. Well, I don't know why I should be doing this now. And the Bible says, you know, I don't need to understand anything. I just need to go with the flow. But it does mean that when we, it does mean that when we understand who is steering the direction of our lives, our faith and trust in Jesus may be just that, faith and trust. We have to trust. See, we don't always understand what's happening, but we must trust the process. God, I don't, I don't understand. I, I really want to go here, but I keep coming up against a roadblock. So for me, what I do is then I just, I, just, I just sit back for a minute, and I start that dialogue with God. And for me, that is called trusting the process. We have to trust the process. And also, if you're not reading the Bible, you're going to have a much harder go at this. Because here's the thing, church, in this trusting part, this is where that tension is, where our, the reality of a follower of Jesus is this. I have one foot in the natural and one foot in the supernatural. All of my plans and the visions and the dreams and the things that I have to, and I want to accomplish in my life are here in the natural. But my direction comes from the supernatural. Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes what I want to do in the natural isn't going to happen because the supernatural says, yes, but I have a change of direction for you. And there's tension in that. But if we welcome that tension and press into it, as hard as it can be at times, we'll be in a much better place. Remember, the prophet Jeremiah, he, read, read Jeremiah, and you'll be, you'll be like, man, I would not want to be that guy. But in the end, he said, God doesn't enjoy this stuff, and he doesn't cause problems. To, to, he doesn't cause bad stuff to happen to us. Now, here's another. Uh, this is a life verse of mine, Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I, I don't think I'm the dumbest. <laughs> yeah, quiet, Ben. Quiet. But I know that I need to trust in God with all my 
heart. My understanding is only here in the natural. I need that supernatural help for me to understand what is really happening with the direction that I'm moving in. And it is in this process of trust that God will begin to reveal ourselves to us. Another quote from Jeremiah, chapter 17. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. That's called justice. Isn't that good? I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. God knows all the hidden agendas out there. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Are you giving God 20%, 100%, 80%? If you're wondering why I don't see, things don't seem to be working out, maybe you might want to examine your relationship with Jesus. See, God will often use the tensions of life to examine our character, our integrity, our motives. He will reveal these things so we can really see what's on the inside, what's in our hearts. If you'll remember, there's a story where Jesus was eating with his disciples and they didn't wash their hands and the religious leaders came down on him like, you, you guys are you're eating unclean food and you're not washing your hands. And Jesus said, well, it's not what goes in a person's body that makes them unclean. It's what comes out. It's what comes out of their mouths, which is what's in their heart. And then, listen, God does this all the time. He's constantly examining us to see where we're at. Listen, Job, Job chapter 7. What are people, he's talking to God, what are people that you should think so much of us, that you should think of us so often, for you examine us every morning and test us every moment. Job was in the throes of, of being attacked by Satan himself. And he had these three buddies. Kim and I, Kim was just, Kim was, did a devotion on this earlier in the week. We were talking about it. But his, he, he had his three closest friends sit with him while he was going through heck. Well, that means the other word, but... He was going through the roughest, hardest trial of his life and probably harder than most of us could ever imagine. And his three friends sat with him throughout all of this. But here's the question. God... Who are we that you would think so much of us? And Job says, you know, you examine us every morning and you test us every moment. See, here's the thing. God is more concerned with our character than he is with our image. This is, a, this is this, that's that constant transformation process of making us more aware of who we really are. If I'm being honest for just a minute here, we have created, social media has created a culture of people of all ages who are more concerned about their image than their character. Our lives could be crumbling around us, but if we do that one nice picture with a good meal or out in the park or something, it looks like everything is going just fine. But the reality is, it isn't. 
And we aren't taking that time to examine ourselves or allow God's Holy Spirit to examine ourselves because as long as I post something that makes it look like I'm doing good, then I'm doing good. But at night, you're not, are you? It stinks. And we're hurting people going through life, struggling, limping, barely making it happen. But as long as things look good, that's what counts. Listen, Romans chapter 12. This is, this is a, for, for followers of Jesus, this should be a, a life first. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, this transformation process is, 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 you know, when we first come to Jesus, things begin to change, our thoughts begin to change, everything begins to change, everything is wonderful, but, but it doesn't stop. It's lifelong. If it ever stops, then you might want to say to yourself, where is my relationship with God? Because God always has things to teach us, no matter what our age. This transformation process is constant, and it is in this process that we learn who we really are. And it is in this process that we learn what God's plans are for us, which are good and pleasing and perfect. Wouldn't you like to know that the plans that you're working out for your life are lined up with God's so much so that they're good and pleasing and perfect? Proverbs 16, verse 2. This is, and this is where I was kind of like focused on that social media thing. Listen to this. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. This is challenging. These are challenging passages. I want to challenge you today, church. When God is examining our motives, maybe there's something that needs to be corrected. So now we're, we're moving from direction, we're going to go to correction. Like, for instance, when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, we all know what comes out, right? The toothpaste. But when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what comes out is what's on the inside. And what causes that toothpaste to come out? A little bit of pressure. And if you're down to the bottom, a lot of pressure. It takes a little pressure sometimes to see what's on the inside. See where I'm going with that? Pressure makes what is on the inside come out. Like, like if you deal with anger issues and there's a little tension, a little pressure in your life, what usually comes out? We usually say things we wish we wouldn't have said. If you deal with depression and isolation and there's a little pressure in your, in your life, what usually happens? You, you, you withdraw, right? A little bit of pressure often makes what's on the inside come out. What if, just what if, some of this tension or this pressure in life is God trying to bring out what's on the inside? 
What if he's trying to refine your character? What if he wants some of that anger to leave? Or what if he wants to heal you of that depression? Or what if there's something good in there and he just wants to refine it a little bit more? He wants it to come out in the midst of that tension. When God puts a, he, he, he can put a little pressure on. Remember, Job said, for you examine us every morning and test us every moment. God may be testing us. You, when things aren't going so right and there's tension in your life, here's another thing. God, is there, is there, this is what I would call a test. This would be my question to God. Is there something I need to learn from this? In other words, is there a t- am I being tested? It's a refining of our character, or it's, it's, you know, so. So let's read a passage from, we're going to read a passage from Hebrews chapter 12. And for those of you that love word studies, we're going to do just a little bit of that with Greek and Hebrew. Huh? Just, a, just, a, just a smidge. But this is going to be a very challenging passage for some of us. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to start actually halfway through verse 5. And verse 5 and 6 are actually quoting um, Proverbs chapter 3, and that's where we're going to do this little word study for just a second. But listen to this. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. That's where we're going to come in at for a second. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. It means you're not a follower of Jesus. He's not going to discipline you if you're not a follower of Jesus, okay? God doesn't do that. He, doesn't, he, he disciplines those he calls his and those who follow his son, Jesus. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out, those, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. First of all, to me, that's challenging. Like, I want, I want the happy verses. I want the, I want the, I want the you know, good and pleasing and perfect will of God verses. But this is saying that, you know what? God disciplines us. God brings correction. But one thing I want to be very clear about, though. We're not talking about punishment here. God does not punish those that he calls his. Verse 6 here is quoting, the, the writer here is quoting from Proverbs chapter 3, and here's, what it re, here's what, how it reads in Proverbs, because I was like, 
punishes. Hmm, I don't want to read that. That sounds pretty harsh. Well, what does it say in Proverbs? Well, interesting enough, it says this. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So then I dig a little deeper with my good friend Google. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Now, if you read this from the New King James, it sounds really harsh. So I've been teaching from the New Living Translation lately. I, I like it. Maybe in two years it'll be a different one. I don't know. But here's the thing. This is using the Greek version mostly. Okay? And the word, so I did, you know, what does the word punish in this passage mean in Greek? It means discipline. So he's talking about discipline. Now, I think it's safe to say after reading that passage in Proverbs, and I don't know why the writer in Hebrews chose to quote Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12 a little bit differently. I'm not concerned about that. But in doing a little bit of digging, which I find is, is, is really fun, this, is, this word punishes in the Greek means discipline. And in Proverbs chapter 3, he uses the word corrects twice. So I'm just going to go ahead and go out on a limb here without really digging any further and say we're talking about discipline. We're talking about correction here. We're not talking about actual punishment. Now, here's another thing. Here is the difference Punishment, punishment has to deal with the past. What you did, you will pay for. You're getting punished. Oftentimes as a child, we got punished. And it was well-deserved. For me, it was all well-deserved. My dad's not here, but my mom's here. It was all well-deserved. But you know what? It made me who I am today. You know what? Even in the darkest days of my life, I, I remember, because we, we, my brother and I were two years apart growing up. Man, we gave our parents heck. We kept them on their toes. Like, I remember, can I share this story? I remember this one time we snuck out at nighttime in the middle of the night, and, and then we came back. We came back in the sliding back door, and there was this, <laughs> this plank of wood on the kitchen table, and it said, your butts are on this piece of wood. And we could hear the fan downstairs. My dad was in, was in the bathroom downstairs. So we ran upstairs and got into our beds. And, and when my dad realized we were home, he opened up the door and I was like, yeah, dad. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that was punishment. So that wasn't correction. But, but, but punishment is, is something you did, you now have to pay for, okay? Discipline and correction looks at the future, okay? Punishment looks at the past. You did this, you have to pay for this, all right? You committed a crime, you have to pay for this. Discipline and correction says, listen, I'm trying to get you to change the direction you're going because I want your future to be better for you. I, I, I see the path you're on and it isn't going to be good and I'm trying to, whether it's God himself or, or maybe uh, someone who speaks into your life, a life group leader, a pastor or something, I'm trying to get you to steer the direction that you're going because I see where you're going. And everybody around, when I, if I'm making bad choices, everybody around me sees it. But I'm the only one that doesn't, right? And then when I'm like, how did I ever get here? And everybody's like, we tried to tell you. We tried to, we all saw it happening. You know, as, as a pastor, listen to this, as a pastor, you know, 
If there's somebody that wants to do an internship here or there's somebody I'm working with or something, do you, do you know that people would rather avoid some pressure, some tension, some redirection from God? They would rather avoid that and they would rather resist that than, than, than redirect things. It's very rare that you see somebody say, I'm gonna press through this. I, I wanna deal with it. I want God to refine me. I want him to change me. I want, I want him to redirect me. Because it's in our human nature to say, no, that's not, that's not what I'm doing. I don't like what you're telling me, and I'm not gonna do that. All right, let's back to my notes. So here's the deal. When it comes to divine correcting, divine discipline. Verse 10 in this passage in Hebrews says this, God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. You see, when God is disciplining us or correcting us, trying to redirect us, it's so that we can be closer to him than we were before, so we can share in his holiness. To me, that's a big deal. And you know what? That's where I want to be. I don't want to be outside of that. I want to be in that. I want to be in God's circle of friends. As God's children, he will, from time to time, bring correction to refine our character so that we can be the person our Father in heaven created us to be. When we resist, we're resisting the person he created us to be. We're saying, I don't want to be that person, God. I want to be my own person. I, I'll, give you all of the, I'll give you 80%, God, but this part of me I don't want to give. That's kind of what we're doing. And the motive of God's discipline comes from a heart of love. It's part of that ongoing transformation process that kingdom children are a part of. You can either press into it and lean into it or resist it. But, but it's all done, ready? Under the umbrella of grace and mercy and love. It's not done under a punishing, you know, finger pointing, cane hitting, it's, it's grace and mercy. But, but look at what, look at what comes from being corrected by our Heavenly Father. Verses 11 through 13. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. It, this is, the, the Bible is telling us, you're not going to like this. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. What does that mean? You know what? Here's another passage I forgot. Job. Job says this. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. So now this passage we just read, you know, of course it's not enjoyable. Nobody likes to be corrected, especially human beings, especially depends on where our pride and our ego level is. But if received and responded accordingly, 
It brings a peaceful harvest of right living. Don't, don't we all want that? And verses 12 and 13 actually go back to the beginning of that chapter where, God, where uh, the writer starts out and says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The race God has set before us is the plans that he has for us. Life is seen as a race. And so this race that we're running, these plans that God has for us, it gets tiring. The writer knows this. God knows this. Life gets tiring, especially the older we get. It gets a little more tiring. We need to strengthen ourselves at times, and God's discipline may be exactly what we need to strip off every weight that is slowing us down. We pick things up as we go through life. Maybe God's saying, you know what, you picked up a couple of habits there, I, I need, you to, need you to lay down, so that you can live a peaceful harvest of right living. And then verse 13 is referring to running a straight path and creating, creating solid footing for ourselves as well as those around us. It's firm footing so that we do not wander off the path or stumble. It is correction that brings our spiritual growth that makes us stronger in our faith. If you're willing to be corrected, you will be stronger for it. If you're not willing to be corrected, you will not be stronger for it. That's Proverbs C-H-I-P. <laughs> you see, God's divine correction is always for our benefit and spiritual growth. Always. He wants nothing but the best for us. He may want to teach us about an area of weakness in our life. Or maybe a blind spot we're not aware of. Right? We, we all have weaknesses, we all have blind spots, and he may be trying to teach us some of those things. Or maybe the discipline is because, because God wants to teach us more about him, his justice, his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy. And we won't learn about those characteristics of him unless there's a little bit of tension in our lives. And we won't know exactly what it is he's trying to teach us or correct us or discipline us in if we don't ask and respond. One thing is for sure, though. We won't know God is all we need until the day we realize God is all we have. Think about your friend group. Now think about your inner circle. Now think about your 2 a.m. friend. It's getting smaller. Sometimes God is all you have. You want to be with him or do you want to resist him? All he wants is to help us be the best version of who we were created to be. He loves us beyond imagination. So I'll end this all real quick. When struggles arise, when trials are happening, when facing problems or rough patches in life, instead of asking, what is happening to me? Ask, what am I to learn from this? God, where are you in this? Are you moving? Are you teaching? 
Is there something I need to get out of this struggle, out of this tension? Where do I need to be right now? Because God will always use our struggles to direct, transform, or even bring correction so that we can be at our best. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I, I, I thank you for passages like that um, because they are challenging. And, you know, as a pastor, I, I want to read everybody the, the, the happy, the, you know, life is great passages, but, but we need to understand that correction is needed. Discipline is needed. And I want to thank you for that, Jesus. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for those right now who have been listening to this message saying, you know what, maybe... I need to press in a little bit more. Maybe I'm doing some resisting. Maybe there's some redirection taking place that I wasn't aware of. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you as we move into a time of worship to begin that dialogue with God. And for some of you, I think if you pick up that Advent booklet next week, Humble King, God's going to use that to show you some things about yourself that maybe you didn't know. And I thank you for that, God. So as we move into a time of worship, God, I I ask that you would speak to us as only you know how. Minister to us as we lift up your name in worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.